Um, I love the way in the church here I can say that you can't be bored in St. Albans Baptist. I really love to be able to say that, and it's absolutely true. You know, I look back at things like Love from St. Albans and Tony's musical, um, the Acts ministry, the trip to Israel, 40, now 40 days of hope and joy. And I want, just want to say next year will be no different. There will be things that we will be doing that will be absolutely inspiring. But I want to highlight five things that I think God has put on my heart um, for us. The Father wants us to deepen our love. This is what I believe. The Father wants us to deepen our love. Now, this is Averson and his son, so it's perfectly okay. You don't have to be deepening your love by kissing your mum in that sort of way, although it's a good idea, and you certainly don't have to kiss people you don't know. But let me just read a few scriptures to you. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you... Very good. Romans. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Turn to the person next to you and tell you I intend to do this. Now, you're committing yourself to honoring them, to loving them by the action of honoring them in some sort of way. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. I counted up at least 21 times in the New Testament, it encourages us to love one another. And it's obviously important if it's repeated, love one another, love one another, love one another. By the way, did I, did I tell you? Love one another. Just in case you forget, love one another. It's obviously really important. Now, love is a verb. It's action. You can't love one another by saying, I'm loving you. Turn around and look around the church and count on your fingers the number of people you're allowed to not love. <laughs> Quickly, have a good look around. Do one of Murdo's things of 180 degrees. How many fingers have you got raised? Everyone, everyone, love is a verb. And I believe God's challenge to us as a church is to deepen it, to deepen it. We're known as a friendly church, yet we are visited by many people who don't stay. Some of those who've stayed said, actually, yes, it was really friendly at first, but it took a long time till I felt accepted. And I'm speaking to all of us. You know, I've spoken to people who said to me in a whole year, I've only been invited into two people's homes in 12 months of being amongst us, only getting invited to two people's homes. Meeting in cafes is great. Can I get a wave? What about the others of you? Meeting, meeting in parks is great. Can I get a wave? But you really get to know someone when you're invited into their home and you see the pictures on the walls and all the stories that are in the very furniture and, and the ornaments that are actually there. Our home. I think God is asking us to invite people into our homes again. It's about hospitality. 
You know, someone very recently shared a vision of me, and they said, you know, babies are coming to Christchurch. And by that they meant God's going to be bringing new Christians to, to faith here in our city. And they said they were having this vision or dream, and they said in the vision or dream, some people in some churches dropped the babies on their heads. And they said they were just stunned because it was an, a confronting thing to see. But they said, but not your church. Your church will nurture them. They'll invite them, that means, into our lives. And one of the best ways we can do that is to invite them into our homes. So how can we, how can we um, help people to really um, uh, feel accepted? Not just friendly, but really accepted. And I can, I can suggest two things to you. One is by noticing them in the cafe just out there. I want to ask you, church, would you be willing to make cafe time about other people, not about you and your best friends? Because I know I can go out into the cafe, and I know where many of you will be sitting, and I know who you'll be talking to. Because it's really cool. We're like Lego blocks. We've got these really long-term friendships that go together. And so we don't notice the people that are standing by themselves. But if, if we're in cell group with those people, if we're doing exercise classes with those people, if we've got a biking group with those people, we can chatter to our heart's content in those places and make cafe about other people that God's bringing to us as a family. Would you be up for that? And the second thing is by inviting them into our homes. You know, hey, are you doing anything for lunch today? Would you like to join us? There's a great bakery just down the road. You can cruise past there and pick something up to add to the table. We would love to see you. Or would you like to come to dinner next Saturday night? You know, we live at such and such a place. It would mean such a lot to me if you were prepared to come to my home. You know what that would say to people who are looking to see whether anyone will notice them? Some people... Uh, from time to time, go to... No, I'll leave that. Uh, I'll, I'll, it's, we haven't got time. Another time, another time. Your life is more than about you and me. It's about other people. And you don't need to have, uh, be checked up on this. You don't have to be put in a program to train you how to do it you, or, or even given permission to do it. Jesus said, do it. Go. Get to know people. But he said 21 times, and by the way, love one another. And just in case you've forgotten, love one another. So it's obviously something that can get really low on the radar. And I'm just reminding you, Jesus said, love everybody. Love the people that are coming into your world. So don't be like the full Lego block all the time. Maybe make cafe that time where you'll unplug and make it about others. The second thing that I feel God wants to say to us is we've got an invitation from God to pray. Matthew chapter 21, it doesn't matter how old you are when you start, but it says this, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, that's that love one another, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 3, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. In other words, they set disciplined times. I'm going to pray at 9 a.m. in the morning. I'm going to pray at 7 a.m. in the morning. I'm going to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Whatever suits for your lifestyle, but they were disciplined in it so that they didn't miss it out. 
And, and in Luke, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And the, the, the tense of the verb there is ask, and keep on asking, and seek, and keep on seeking, and knock, and keep on knocking. And you will have it. You will find these things. They will be open to us. Romans 12, 2 says, Be joyful in hope. Um, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. God is looking for us to, to really take prayer on board. We know up here, but in our lifestyle commitment, if, if being well depended on whether we pray or not, I wonder how many of us would be sick or well if it genuinely depended on whether we prayed. You know, throughout the New Testament... There's a call to commune with God, to pray. That's individually praying and corporately praying, as Brenda said. And I believe God is, is challenging us to contend for breakthrough in healings. The other night when we prayed, and there were a greater number of people at the prayer meeting, but, but a lot of people weren't able to be there. Maybe you were praying at home, and I thank you if you were. But the other night at the prayer meeting, Lynn Scott saw a vision, and she saw like a dam, uh, a dam, well, like so. And behind this dam was all the healings that could flow through this church, just packed full. And as people were praying and leaning upon the dam, the blocks of the dam, the concrete of the dam began to shift and break. Now, I don't know whether you remember, but we've had two other visions like that. One in 2008 and another in about 2012 or 13. And it was when we were praying for the money to uh, do up this building, but the first one in 2008 was to build all the new facility that we have out there. And someone, that same vision was given, only this time behind the dam was all the finance and instead of the blocks beginning to shift so that it would break open, cracks began to come down in both of those visions. And they were given by different people who had never heard the other one talk about it. So when Lynn has this prayer uh, vision of virtually the same thing with the, all the um, healings that could come through this church for ourselves and for the people of this community and the blocks are shifting, I think God's saying exactly the same thing. I remember with the first uh, vision, I said to the person afterwards, well, what happened then? Did it crack? It started. Did it spill over? And, the and they said, we don't know. The vision stopped. But you know what happened? We built a building debt-free. In fact, we had $40,000 about left over that we put into the building of this next time. So when the next person had the vision, I, uh, another person had the vision five years later for, for this repair of this building, and we needed $700,000, I went to that person and said, so what happened? Did the dam crack open? They said, I don't know. The vision stopped. <laughs> Do you see the similarities to what Lynn is saying? If we will continue to pray, I believe we will see a breakthrough in healings. It's the challenge. And so I want to call a monthly prayer meeting on a Thursday night, um, a time that's different to the Sunday like we've had. I know Sunday for many of you, Sunday evening's family day, I respect that, but I'm going to call a prayer meeting for anyone that will come 
And the first one is the 12th of December this year, but we'll do it again each month as well. And we're going to pray for, in, into things such as healing and such as um, for the trust and for, for, for salvations and for the things that God lays on our hearts. So I, I want to I say another thing in, in terms of how we could up the ante for prayer. If you take your phone out, Now, I'm not pressuring you, you can, you can just hold your phone, but in my phone, I put it five past ten. See, Jesus said, the harvest's actually really ripe out there, so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out people, harvesters, into the harvest field. So I put it five past ten in my phone, a reminder that will go on 365 days a year for me, to just simply remember to pray, God... I pray that you will thr uh, thrust out, that you will send out harvesters from SABC Church out into the harvest field so that people will get saved. And I'm only just going to pray that. I'm not going to try and make it a longer prayer than that because often I'm eating or drinking at that point. It's 10 o'clock. Hello? You with me? It's usually our time. We're not in the boss's time at that point. But um, maybe you want to actually do that to be able to do it. The third thing I want to say about prayer is we need to pray till we pray. Clear? <laughs> Clear? Pray till we pray. The biggest problem that stops us from praying is distraction. The moment we try to pray, our mind thinks of all the things that we, we have to do or other things that we could do or some food that we ate the other day or some other wonderful thing. I make my to-do lists in those times. I just jot the things that come to me down. We have to learn to pray till we pray. But there does come, if we will press through, and it might take five minutes of just, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm, God, I want to speak to you about this. And we may have to just pray for five minutes before we start to get into that flow. Till we start to get into that Holy Spirit-inspired thing of prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you had this experience? Oh, it's only me. I don't believe you. I might preach long now. We've got to learn to pray. I look back and flip. I'm 63 now. I look back at so many things in my life and I think, God, I'm still in baby steps about things to do with prayer. God, what would have happened if I had have prayed more consistently and held things before you? Ask, seek, knock, John. Ask, seek, knock. And you will find the door will be opened. What you're seeking will come to pass. I know God doesn't, Sometimes we ask with, with slack motives, you know, they're all about us, all about that new something or other that we'd like. God doesn't say he'll supply everything like that, but he says if we are with him and spend time with him, abide with him, his thoughts will begin to become our thoughts. And what we pray, again, it's that Holy Spirit action and ministry. It comes more in here than here. It, it, it deals with the heart and our motives. So can I, just, can I just say, I believe God is giving us an invitation to pray. The third thing that I want to bring before you is we are planning to employ an evangelist in partnership. 
And what we are hoping is, and we've put enough uh, money from the church side into the budget that I, I hope you have approved um, in the vote today. And we've, we're talking with the trust and saying, why don't we together, you guys as a trust have so many contacts, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of contacts over 20 years out into the community. Actually, it's too small. Thousands of contacts out into the community. Why don't we together partner to employ someone who is naturally friendly? Well... I think she's friendly. <laughs> We're not employing Joyce. So she's, I just needed a picture. Um, but someone who is just naturally friendly, who people love to be around, who is really good at talking with people about salvation and actually leading people over the line. I don't know why God made me the senior pastor of a church without actually giving me the gift of evangelism. But there are people out there who are just great at talking about people. And so the trusts are working through the process. They're thinking about this. It's not a, a, a given. It's not guaranteed at all. But, but we're thinking about it and praying into this situation. And I'm hoping that that partnership comes about. The fourth thing that I want to say but that I think is on God's heart for us is it, we, he's encouraging us to actually mentor people. Because mentoring, where it's one-on-one, -on -one, or one on a small group sometimes with people can grow people up in the faith hugely. Matthew 28 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now disciples are followers of Jesus. They are people who are learners. They, if you like, they're like school pupils of Jesus. They're looking at what Jesus does and the, the scriptures, and they're wanting to model on that and imitate Jesus. And they're serving him. And they're not just learning about him. They're actually reading the Bible with the expectation that he'll speak to them. And then when he does speak to them, and whether it's through the, through the word or just direct by the Spirit coming out of our heart, and he says something to them, um, then in obedience, actually following through with that, that's what a disciple is. But the Bible says it's more than that. It says, as people mature in Christ, and any genuine Christian has a desire to mature in Christ, I know we mess up, I know we fall, but inside of us that's something that says, you know, Though he fall or she fall, they'll get up again. They won't be knocked out of the race. They'll, they'll have something inside them that says, I'm going I'm to succeed. I'm going to do better. And there's a desire to follow him. And it says mature disciples will start mentoring those that are coming through after them. And so there's a looking to Jesus and holding on to him and what he's saying to us, and there's a reaching down to someone and helping them as well. And it goes to another level as well, because as Robert said in terms of, of mentoring, with sometimes Robert gleans off me, and he's looking for something that I might have some, some understanding on to help him where he's at, but Robert's also holding on to Anna and others. So there's this link of people that are actually drawing each other up into Christ. And that's mentoring as, as I'm talking about it. You know, 
Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, it'll cost us something. It'll cost us time. It'll cost us things that ease and things that we could be doing on our own to be able to spend time with other people and to deliberately get in the word and read it and listen to him and then obey is always costly in some way. And he says, even in 1 Corinthians, he says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, this is Paul speaking, he says, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And in Hebrews 13, it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So sometimes... Imitating Jesus, whom we can't see, even though the word explains a lot, there's still sometimes a, how does that work? How do you do that in the 21st century? And God says, well, just look at people who are a little bit further along the track than you. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's an older person. Maybe it's someone who's just taking off in, in Christ. And your you, 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 Bible says, imitate them. But then in 2 Timothy it says, And the things you've heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So we're holding on to mentoring with someone whom we're looking up to, but we're also seeking to be able to make ourselves available for someone who is newer in Christ than we are. So I want to ask you, are you following Jesus and someone else who's ahead of you? Now, you can all tick the Jesus one, I'm sure, in your mind. But what about the people that you're looking up to? Now, we've looked at this every which way as a church, as, as a leadership. And the thing we know is that a program of mentoring won't work. If we were to come out and say, okay, I want you to be with you, and, and you can be with you, and Stephen, you shouldn't be with your wife, you should be with Bill, it's just not going to work. Mentoring is organic. Mentoring is something that comes out of the heart. You know, mentoring is encouraging. The problem when, when things are set up in a program sort of way in the past is that they've quickly become controlling, even to the point of people having to get permission to be able to get married. We don't want anything to do with stuff like that. But I want you to think, who in this church... Or who in the orbit of Christians outside of this church in your orbit has got something that you admire and you want to glean that and grab that and take that into your life? Because that will determine who you'll be mentored by and how long you need to be mentored. When you've, I was going to say, well, gleaned everything out of their life, you can stop being mentored by them because... You've got it. We're not sitting trying to say you've got to set this up for a year or five years or ten years or lifetime. But mentoring is about encouraging. Now, I do this on two levels. I really like the word coaching. Um, and Sandra and I did some, some coaching courses over the years. And, and a couple of years ago, I found a course that helped me immensely in, in, in coaching from, from coming to people and saying, I know what you need to do. You need to do this, this, and this. And they go away thinking, well, that wasn't much help. And I go back and say, have you done those things? And generally they say, no. Because they've got personalities and brains and everything else. And I came across a course that was a three-day course, and we're running it here in the church um, 
uh, in February, starting on about tw the 23rd of February, and, and it's, if anyone's involved in, in coaching in, in um, work situations, I'd highly recommend this course. It's amazing because it, it, it is an empowerment course on how to ask the right questions that figures us people to, to figure out what they want to do. In other words, what are their goals? And then what are the roadblocks that you're finding that just are stopping you from reaching those goals? It's amazing. It's a very, very good course. Sandra's going to teach a little bit on, on it uh, through the, this next year just to help all of us. But there's another level, and that is at the level of what I call relational friendships of encouragement, where we can talk with people about their spiritual life as well as other aspects in their life. Say if you were mentoring a new Christian, you got asked to do that, you could talk, them, talk with them about the new Christian course for a, a, few, a few weeks and they'd read and they'd come and you'd discuss together and they'd quiz you and you'd, you'd talk about things you found. But you can also coach people and help people in any other area of life. You know, a simple format, you might say, well, what, if, I, if I said I would mentor someone, what would I do? Go to McDonald's and we both buy coffees, we sit on a, at a table, what happens then? What do I say to this person? What do I ask? Well, I want to suggest just one-third, one-third, one-third in whatever amount of time you're going to be together. The first part is just catch up with them. The second part is ask some specific questions about the goals that they have in their life. Where are you heading? What is it that you're actually wanting to achieve in the next little while? And then start asking some questions about how are you going with fulfilling those things. And the last third is just spend a little bit of time praying for people. So let me give you an example of how I do this myself um, with, with coaching of, of folk within the church here. I run a men's group that has about six to eight men in it, and we meet monthly in a cafe. And before I go to that night, I prayerfully write questions down about a particular topic, and I'll make, write maybe three to five questions about a topic. And we do one-third, two-thirds. So one-third is whoever gets there first, you just start talking, and people sidle up to the, to the table with their coffees and, and they're just talking to each other. And then eventually I throw, start throwing a question or two in there. And we've had nights where, in fact, it's mostly like this, where you can't stop people talking. <laughs> people just don't want to leave. They're just having so much fun engaging with the questions that are there and sharing their stories. I ask them about their wives and we'll have a whole group of questions down that track, or, or maybe we're dealing with finances, and, or the future, or what their biggest regrets are in life, and people start to share honestly what's going on, and, and I ask them about, how, the, how does the Bible relate to all of these things? And people start bringing a scripture from here, and a scripture from there, and everyone's just learning from one another. And some of the best ways to mentor people are just by going walking with them. Join a walking group, get together, or going running with people, although you've got to be a certain level of fitness, I've found, to be able to, <laughs> yeah, I'll ask you in a minute, <laughs> you know, as you're running, or go, go to just out hiking, you know, because you'll naturally talk, and you quest you'll ask questions, and really cool things in conversation will happen. There are some women in this church who do this. They go swimming together, and they're, they're swimming away regularly, just having great fun, and then they go to the cafe. And I hear when they go to the cafe, the talking just doesn't stop. They are good at it, just asking questions. Nigel, Wendy, your wife, was great at this. Whether it was formally done or informally done, 
she just gathered a group around her, and after the swimming or whatever the exercise was, in the cafe, these questions. And people loved it because they're being discipled, you see, into growing up in Christ. I'm reading um, Mere Christianity at the moment, Anna, and um, I find it's a great book. That just I can't sleep after I've been reading at night. It's just so cool. But you know, C.S. Lewis had a group of guys. He went to a cafe every week. Actually, he went to the pub every week with this group of guys. Tolkien was one of the guys that he was there. And they would talk about what's going on in their life. And they would talk theology and the books that C.S. Lewis have been, have been challenged and refined by this group that was around him. And he, what he was able to do and, and Tolkien was able to do were refined by each other. And the world is blessed because they discipled each other. And there was probably no contract of writing into, I'm going to disciple you and I'll be the one that asks the questions and you're going to be the one that... You with me? It was organic. Wow. The last thing I want to say, the fifth thing, is that we're believing for God to raise up vision from the grassroots. I love that Anna Button downloaded from God and Acts ministry came about. And when she was challenged, okay, it's a great vision. How are you going to bring it about? She left the room saying, I'll come back to you. I'll do that. And we, we, we've heard about it today. I love that Alex Gale got a godly inspiration for love from St. Albans. It wasn't his idea. It started in heaven. And I love that Tony Norris got a passion to uh, write and to produce a mus musical and that, that was so upfront and called it um, living the dream, but actually it was a God dream for the whole thing to come to pass. I love that John Scott has been going to every year to Samoa for nine years now, building canoes and then helping uh, the, the Samoans in, in other building projects and teaching them how to build, etc. And the reason he did that was because after the tsunami, um, as he was building houses and, and going to leave and get on the plane, God spoke to him and says, you need to return and you need to put some new skills that have been lost back into the people here. And John's just been obedient to what God spoke to him about. I love that God told me how to build our extensions and redo this building without a mortgage. Is anyone pleased with that? I love that Richard Starling has a ministry that's so significant in Aranui. He's loved there by every single person, and everyone knows Richard by name. And, and many people have found Jesus because Richard has done this, but he did it because God asked him to do it, and he's just kept walking in the same direction ever since. And I love that Morris and Miriam Atkinson heard, heard the Holy Spirit speaking to start a prayer retreat that has impacted our entire denomination over the last decade with Holy Spirit power through our through our. Um, through our leaders. See, I believe that if we will pray and pray till we pray, we will see God do great and fresh things amongst us. And it won't be because the elders have found something new from America and said, here's the latest thing. And we suddenly go, whoop. And then another latest thing comes. It'll be because God raises up things from within our congregation of people who are hearing God and willing to follow after 
what he's got for us. There's going to be a lot of new in 2020 because of prayer. I want you to stand if you believe it and if you're with me in this challenge to be a part of it. God, you know our hearts and we just want to say, Lord, we want your will. We don't want busyness, Lord, that just goes round and round like the children of Israel in the desert. We want to hear you, God, and if you say to walk across the Jordan and go in and take Jericho, then, Lord, we want to do what you say to us individually and corporately together. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.